Amen. You may be seated. We're going to do things a little bit differently this morning, a little bit in the interest of time. Michael's doing a great job, but I dismissed him already. Uh, that's not a sign of things to come. One of the greatest baseball games that I ever watched uh, was Game 6 of the 2011 World Series. Uh, It was uh, a game between the Texas Rangers and the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, It was taking place in St. Louis. Uh, The Cardinals were down in the series three games to two. Uh, And they were down in the game to their very last strike. They were behind seven to four. Uh, There were two outs in the ninth inning when the hometown boy, David Freeze, uh, came to bat. He had two strikes on him, and things were looking grim for Redbird Nation. It was uh, an unlikely place for Freeze to come up in. He had not had a good game up until that point. If you were to look at his box score, you would see that he was 0 for 3 with a walk. Uh, He had one strikeout, and he had the most egregious error. Uh, I mean, it was a little league error, an easy pop fly. He's playing third base. And he took his eyes off the ball, and it hit him in the head, uh, land toward, or led towards a couple of unearned runs that had put the cards in that hole. But the pitch came. Uh, and he drove the pitch uh, to the opposite field, off the right field wall in front of Nelson Cruz. Two runs came in to score, and it was a dramatic reversal of fortunes for the Cardinals. One strike away from going home for the season, now the game is tied. But it wasn't over yet, because in the 10th inning, Texas hit a two-run homer. The Cardinals were once again two outs, uh, down to their last at bat. Uh, A single drove in the tying run, And we could breathe again in St. Louis. Uh, We were all on the edge of our feet. And then uh, in the the 11th inning, the top of the 11th, or the bottom of the 11th inning, David Freeze came up one more time. Uh, And this time, the pitch that he got, he drove deep into the St. Louis night. It landed on the batter's eye in, in center field. And a hero was born. Uh, He will never have to buy another meal in St. Louis. Uh, The game uh, was over, came back. They won game seven, uh, another world championship for the St. Louis Cardinals. I share that with you because it speaks to us uh, of the reversals that we experience in life. I mean, what had been a house of horrors uh, for Freeze up until that point in the ninth inning Uh, errors, strikeouts, uh, 0-4, whatever, became a field of dreams uh, as he he responded, as he hit the triple, as he hit the home run that eventually led to the Cardinals winning the World Series. And we see this exact same uh, or a similar type of thing happening here in 1 Samuel chapter 7. If you remember... Back in chapter 4, 5, and 6, we are at a place uh, 
Israel went out to battle against the Philistines. This is in chapter 4, verse 1. They encamped at Ebenezer. The, the Philistines encamped at, uh, at Aphek. They went into battle. The Philistines won. It says in chapter 5, verse 1, the Philistines captured the ark of God and they brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. We looked at that last week. Ebenezer was a, a place of bitter, bitter defeat. Not only did they lose uh, the ark, they lost 34,000 Israelites on that day. The, the, the field was scattered with bodies of, of dead Israelites. Uh, and yet, and yet, all seemed dark, but yet there is hope. And that's what we see here in chapter 7, because we come back to Ebenezer, but we realize that God is reversing the fortunes of Israel uh, in the way that Hannah talked about in her song, the, the feeble shall bind on strength. Let me read for you a, a little bit here from 1 Samuel 1. We'll dive into it and we'll read the rest of the chapter as we go. Beginning at verse 1, the men of Kirith-Jerim came. They took the ark of the Lord, which you remember at the end of chapter 6 has been returned uh, into Beth Shemesh, but the people of Beth Shemesh, they're, they're not so great with having the ark there. There was, uh, people lost their life. So the men of Kirith-Jerim came and took the ark of the Lord, and they brought it to the house of Abinadab on the hill, and they consecrated his son Eleazar to have charge of the ark. From the day that the ark was lodged at Kirith-Jerim, a long time passed, some 20 years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. And Samuel said to all the house of Israel, if you're returning to the Lord with all of your heart, then put away the foreign gods, the Asheroth from among you, direct your heart to the Lord, serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So the people of Israel put away the Baals and the Ashtaroth, and they served the Lord only. Thus far for now, in the reading of God, this is the word of the Lord. Lord Jesus, as we open this word, we pray that you would open our hearts um, and that you would reveal to us the wonderful things that are in your law. Amen. From Ebenezer to Ebenezer, uh, we're going to see a little bit later in this passage, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 1, uh, that the Lord is going to accomplish a great victory over the Philistines on behalf of his people. They're going to set up a stone and they're going to call it Ebenezer, the name of the place. You see in verse 12, Samuel took a stone, set it up between Mizpah and Shen and called its name Ebenezer, for he said... Thus far, hitherto, till now, the Lord has helped us. Uh, from Ebenezer to Ebenezer. There are two Ebenezers that are in mind here. The first, as I've already mentioned, is a field of great loss. Uh, it's, a, it's a field of tragedy. It's a field that is marked by desolation. The second Ebenezer is a field uh, of victory. It's a field of conquest. It's a field of deliverance. 
And, and this in so many ways reflects our lives. We, we go from, from Ebenezer to Ebenezer. We go from losses to gains, sometimes back to losses and desolations and back to gains. So I want to walk through this, kind of understand it a little bit more, not just with our heads, but definitely with our hearts. For Samuel directs us to direct our hearts towards the Lord. First of all, then, Ebenezer number one, this, this field uh, of desolation, this field of losses and failures. Uh, for the Israelites, uh, it's marked by both loss and failure. Loss just think of all that they lost uh, on Ebenezer number one. They, they lost leadership. Uh, Hophni, Phinehas, Eli, they, they all died as a result of the battle that took place uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 4. Uh, they lost the ark. They had taken the ark, the symbol of God's presence, this uh, holy uh, uh, Sim, uh, this holy symbol that, that spoke to the Israelites that Yahweh was their God. It was taken captive into uh, the land of the Philistines. After God, of course, won his victory over the Philistines, God Dagon there, and the ark is returned, notice, though, the, the Israelites aren't quite sanguine with that. They're, they're, they're uneasy as to what to do with the ark, and so they send it away. They, they send it up into this land of Kirith-Jerium, this, into this hill country. It's, it's out of the beaten path. They, they put the ark, as it were, out of sight. Uh, the, the presence of the Lord is not among them in a significant way. And we notice then that not only do they experience sort of the loss of 1 Samuel 4 to 6, but they also have to deal with their own failures, their own sin. Uh, because in a 20-year period, as we see in this passage here, they continue to play around with the Baals and the Asherahs, uh, the, the gods of the Philistine people, uh, the gods that are no gods, the gods that, that take from them, that demand from them, the gods that would lead them astray, and they come to a place of pain. You see that in verse 2, a long time passed, some 20 years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. Uh, they're crying out in pain. Some of you are familiar with the cycle of the judges. Uh, I call it the A, B, C, D, E cycle. Uh, apostasy, uh, bondage, crying out, uh, deliverance, ease. That's kind of the cycle of the judges. And, and here we, we see that same thing. There is apostasy. They've, they've left God. They've pursued Baals and Asherahs. They, they know the bondage of the Philistines. They know the desolation. They know the loss. And now they're crying out, uh, crying out in pain, crying out you know, for deliverance. And that is what we will see being played out later on. This is such a, a picture of our own life. Uh, we, we constantly are feeling the effects of Ebenezer number one. We're feeling the effects of loss 
and failure in our lives. You know, Michael began uh, this, uh, our, our worship this morning just reminding us that this week we lost three uh, stalwarts in the PCA between Steve Smallman, Harry Reeder, and of course Tim Keller. I, you know, it was weird. I've met all three of those people, talked to them at different times, not close relationally to any of them, but have definitely benefited uh, from their ministry in, in our life, in, in my life. Uh, and, you know, you hear these things and you process them, but it just really hit me last night as I was praying over this and preparing this, like the loss that is there. Um, these are, you know, religious folks that play a, a role in their lives in a particular way, but, but you know that loss. Uh, some of you have, have buried children this week, and we've buried our friend, Art Veltman, and they're just holes in our lives as, as we go. We, we know what that loss is, but we also know what the failure is. Uh, the failure in our life, you know, Samuel is, is very clear here in verses uh, 3 and 4. He says, if you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods and the Asheroths from among you. Direct your heart to the Lord. Serve him only. You know, Joel says, rend your hearts and not your garments. Uh, we can go through a lot of religious ritual. We can cry out in pain. But there is a question of our hearts. Uh, will, will you put away the foreign gods? Will you put away the Asherahs? Israel had themselves to blame for, for their losses, for their failures, for what they were experiencing as much as they could blame the Philistines. And we recognize this in our life too. There are so many ways in which this week I and I'm sure you can testify to our failure. Uh, to, to love God above all. We can testify to our willingness to step out in our own strength. We can testify to uh, the anger that we have harbored, to the derision that we have had for others who are made in the image of God. Like These are hourly occurrences <laughs> in, in my life. Uh, you know, the, we, we constantly are going towards other gods. Maybe they're not idolic in form, but they certainly uh, have rule in our hearts and in our senses. And part of what we need to recognize about this Ebenezer number one is that uh, our losses are often a, a result of our own failures, and that leads to pain. But the story is not over, because you see a tremendous reversal here. And again, this is the theme music that is coming from Hannah's song. The feeble will bind on strength, not by might, not by strength will you uh, gain the victory, but rather it is through the Lord. So Samuel calls them all together, um, picking up in verse 5, Gather all Israel at Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered at Mizpah, they drew water, they poured it out before the Lord, fasted on the day, and they said there, We've sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the people of Israel at Mizpah. 
Now when the Philistines heard that the people of Israel had gathered at Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the people of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. So they're there, they're unarmed, all of the nation, they're there to worship. The, the lords of the Philistines say, great opportunity, we are going to go and we are going to defeat these Israelites. The people of Israel said to Samuel, do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. Such a different response. Before they said, you know, what can we do? I know, we'll get the ark. We'll bring the ark and, and that will be the thing that brings us victory. But now they say, we can't do anything. Uh, will you cry out to the Lord for us. So Samuel took a nursing lamb, offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord, and Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. And Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, uh, as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to attack Israel, but the Lord thundered with a mighty shout that or mighty sound that day against the Philistines and threw them into confusion, and they were routed. From before Israel. The men of Israel went out from Mizpah. They pursued the Philistines and struck them as far as below Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone and he set it up between Mizpah and Shen and he called its name Ebenezer, for he said, Till now the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued and did not again enter the territory of Israel. The hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. The cities that the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored from Ekron to Gath, and Israel delivered their territory from the hand of the Philistines. There was peace also between Israel and the Amorites. Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. He went on a circuit year by year to Bethel, to Gilgal, to Mizpah, and he judged Israel in all these places. Then he would return to Ramah, for his home was there, and, he also, and there also he judged Israel. And he built an altar to the Lord. You see the situation here. This is Ebenezer number two. Uh, the, the people of Israel are in a very vulnerable situation. And, and as I noted for you, they, they cry out uh, to the Lord through Samuel. Uh, they cry out and they say, you know, we, we need help. We need deliverance. And, and God thunders. If you remember back in, in chapter 2, verse 10, I, I said that we would keep coming back to these themes of Hannah's song. In chapter 2, verse 10, the adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them he will thunder in the heavens. And, and God does just that. He doesn't raise a sword. He doesn't raise a spear. He thunders in the heavens. He puts the Philistines to confusion, and the rout is on. Uh, the rout is on. The Israelites chase, they destroy, they take care of their adversaries that are in the land all the way to Beth Carr. It's a tremendous victory. You know, what had been a house of horrors now becomes a, a field of dreams. What had been characterized by failure now is characterized by conquest and victory. This is exceptionally good news this morning because all of us can stand here and talk about uh, our losses and our failures. 
You know, we mentioned those just a little bit more, but I, or a little bit ago, but I know that, that for some of you, like that is the biggest thing that is on your mind, on your heart as you come in. I mean, you are all too aware of what goes on in the deep recesses of your hearts. And, and there is a question, is, is there any hope for us? Is there any promise that remains? Is there any deliverance for someone like me? And, and the testimony of this passage is yes, amen, and absolutely. What, what is the path to that deliverance? Uh, three things I want to highlight for you. Uh, one is it's fueled by the word. It's there in this passage, but within verse 3, uh, and then in verses, I think it's 15 and 16, the last two verses of the chapter, you see Samuel speaking, Samuel judging, Samuel proclaiming the word of the Lord, setting up places of worship. This is Samuel's job uh, in the community. Notice that, that Samuel, we'll return to this in a minute, but Samuel never picks up a sword. Samuel doesn't do any mighty acts, but he is bringing the word of God into the community. Do, do we have that kind of trust in the word of God to affect the kind of reversal, change, victory, uh, conquest that we desired? Uh, if we really want to experience God, we, we need to humbly come before his word. I was just listening to a podcast uh, this week. I can share it with you sometime. But they were, uh, they were talking about um, the de-churching of America. Uh, 40 million evangelicals, uh, 40 million evangelicals have left the church in the last uh, generation, uh, left the evangelical church in particular. Of those 40 million, um, 10 million of them no longer accept the scriptures as authoritative. Uh, and, and, you know, part of their, their de-churching has been also just a movement away from the word. Part of what this passage is calling us to is to appreciate the power of the word in our lives. Uh, it's why we do expository preaching. It's why we have multiple Bible studies week after week. It's why we're teaching our kids in Sunday school and youth group and all of this. Uh, you know, more than a ski trip, uh, we can offer people the word of God. Not that ski trips don't have places, they, they do. But the word of God has got to be central, uh, and, and Samuel helps us to see that. Secondly, you, you know, this path of, of uh, Ebenezer number two, fueled by the word, it's characterized by repentance uh, and surrender. Uh, these two things, young people, those of you who have gone through that communicants class, two things in, in, when we talk about conversion. Uh, and those are faith and repentance. You remember that? Uh, adults, you may remember that too. You see that so clearly here in what Samuel is calling the people to. 
if you are returning to the Lord with all your heart. And he says if because, you know, Hosea says we, we can wail from our beds but not cry from our hearts. Uh, it's similar to what Joel is saying. Rend your hearts and not your garments. Don't react just to the pain that is in your life, but react to, to the deep, deep places where, where your relationship with God is. Uh, Samuel says, if you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods and the Asheroth from among you. Notice that those are in plural. Uh, there are many gods, many Asheroth among you. And direct your heart to the Lord and serve him only. Repentance turning from, faith turning to. Uh, turning from the foreign gods, turning to, directing your heart to the Lord only. And, and this is the grace that is uh, available to all of us. That we would know God in this way, recognizing him as our only hope. You know, as these young people, as you heard, uh, you know, Kevin and Sarah make uh, testimony to the fact that you have no hope except for through God's sovereign mercy. Uh, that, that is our only hope in life and death. Uh, and that is what Samuel calls the people to. And, and this is the, uh, this is the place where Israel will experience deliverance when they are submitted to God, when, when they are helpless in themselves, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to your cross I cling. When they are there, then they're ready to see God work. Third thing that we just observe about this is that it is sealed uh, by an intercessor by a mediator. Samuel uh, takes a, a lamb. He sacrifices the lamb. He prays for the people. The people say, don't stop praying for us. You know, they, they recognize that, that they need somebody outside of themselves in order to experience deliverance that they really and truly long for. And of course, it's here that we see the Lord Jesus Christ. Samuel had to take a lamb. Uh, Samuel could cry out to Yahweh. But in Jesus, especially on this ascension day, we have the lamb of God who has taken away the sin of the world. We have the intercessor who is now seated at the right hand of the Father. And he is continually interceding for you and for me. What, what a glorious picture. What a wonderful truth as we go through. We, we come in here marked by failure. We come in here overwhelmed with loss. And what we see is a God who meets us in our weakness. And he says, it's not by might that you will prevail, but it's rather when you recognize your limitations and you cry out to me that you will find the deliverer that you need. You know, though Ebenezer be filled with graves, this Ebenezer will stand 
to the glory of God. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this, uh, this story, these truths. We thank you for its power to reach us on uh, a day like this morning. Lord, every day we come and we need to hear afresh again. We need to hear afresh again that, that we are not the sum of our losses and failures, but that you are a God who thunders from the heavens. And you have thundered most clearly in the person and work of Jesus. You have conquered all of his and our enemies. You have put them to rout. And we now, by faith, uh, stand connected to our great champion. And we give you thanks for that. Lord, we pray that you would help us to continue to live in that, uh, that we would raise our Ebenezer's uh, to your faithfulness. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.